All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of, I almost said let's ride again, the Steelers preview. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get so comfortable saying that. I apologize. See, that's um, that's great because that's what an institution it is becoming. <laughs> and, and I'm not joking because, you know, I'm the podcast producer because you're like, you could, you could brag on your own show, but when you have me bragging on the show how much I love it and how much it's making my job easier, you know, that if you're not, I'm not talking to you, Jeff. Oh, if you are not listening to Let's Ride, it it is the great the great show. I appreciate that. I take a lot of pride in it. I, I def I definitely enjoy doing it. If if, if anyone, no one's so because this is a YouTube Facebook crowd. Some of you all don't listen to our podcast, and that's fine. Um, by all means, I would hope that you would check us out on the podcast side, and not just my show, but Michael Beck on the live mic every Tuesday, Dave on the uh, Stat Geek, and we are going to expand our our platform a little bit closer to training camp we'll give you more details on that uh coming up i'll just drop a pen okay so we're uh three in on the sleeper picks uh you had terrell edmonds you had go ahead and name off your three again so i went with terrell edmonds shakur brown and james washington okay and i went with anthony mcfarland woo woo kenny woo antoine brooks jr and carlos davis all right, let's go back to offense. Do you have an offensive player ready? Yeah, I do. Now, you went with one running back. I'm going to go with another. And a lot of people are going to roast me for this because they're going to say, this guy's not even going to make the team. But if I'm number 38, Jalen Samuels, don't tell me I'm not making the team. I'm going to do everything I can to make this team. The fact that he has had a lot of great success in college, he was drafted because of his success running in the system and receiving in the system of Mark Matt Canada. So I almost called him Mark Canada. So that was going to be another guy along with uh, Bill Tomlin that uh, that you guys could have had a lot of fun with. But what I'm saying about Jalen Samuels, he's not done yet. He doesn't think he's done yet. And he's going to do everything he can to make this team. And the odds are against him right now. So... What I'm going to say, Jalen Samuels could be the guy. Not the guy that he's not going to be. He's not going to take over for Najee Harris. He, but you've seen what he can do. You saw what he can do on December 17th, 2018 against the New England Patriots. You saw that great effort. He has the talent to do it with Canada here. I actually think he's going to do something. Yeah, he clings to that one game pretty hard. Uh, well, I guess we do, not him. So, Brian, <laughs> just real quick, how do you, how many running backs do you see the Steelers keeping? Let's not count the fullback. Yeah, so not I'm counting not Derek. Fullback. I'm thinking four. Okay, so who's your four? We know Najee Harris. We know Anthony McFarland. You think Jalen Samuels? Your fourth is. I'm. I'm not going with Balage here. I'm still going with Benny Snell. Okay. All right. That's fine. It's your, it's your choice. That's fine. A lot of people in the live chat disagree, but that's fine. That's that's why uh, we do what we do. We're not supposed to agree all the time. I'm going to stay with offense, and this is going to be um, a rookie, but I think that this rookie could actually help this team a lot more than people think, and that is Pat Fryermuth. Um, when I put out that poll on Twitter, uh, a lot of people, you know, ah, Pat Fryermuth is just going to be used as a blocker. He might be just more of a red zone target. I think you are forgetting that th this guy was an athletic player at Penn State. He was not just a 
uh, some people are setting him up like he's Matt Spath. I'm just going to come in and block, you know, do, 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 do my thing. And maybe I'll catch a few balls every now and then that I, to me, that is not Pat Fryermuth's game. Now, I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong and it wouldn't be the first time, nor will it be the last time. But I think the Fryermuth is going to give this team a dynamic that they haven't had in a long time. He is more of the Heath Miller, like uh, security blanket or whatever you want to call it for Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. Ben has been wanting that player. And it's not Ebron. Ebron's not that kind of player. He's not that kind of tight end. I think that he is going to, he being Pat, Pat Fryermuth is going to have a great year. I don't think he's going to light up the scoreboard or anything like that, but I think that people are going to really be excited about what he brings to this offense going into 2022. He's going to surprise some people, and that's why I have him on the sleeper side. Um, Pat Fryermuth. That's you're going to hear Muth at Heinz Field when he makes a catch. It'll be fun. I hope he has a great year, and he should. He's a second round pick. He should be contributing. So, all right, we have two more. Do you have two more, Brian, or do you want to say something about them? Yeah, you know, I agree with you on everything that you said except for one thing. What? I just don't consider him a sleeper because I think oh, he's okay. expected to come in. But everything you well, said, with yeah. with Ebron there, I mean, that's why I've, I went with him because I think a lot of people, he is tight end too. He's TE2 on the, on the depth chart. He's behind Ebron. And I think a lot of people believe that Ebron's going to be the one that plays all the time, and then Fryermuth's only going to be used with two tight end sets. I don't see it that way. I think there's going to be chances. There's going to be times where they don't put a Ebron on the field and Friar Muse out there. And I think that that might work out to his advantage. So uh, that's nothing against Ebron. Um, it's just that I think Friar Muse is a better blocker. He's more of a two-way tight end and they haven't had one of those in a while. So there you go. Let me stay at tight end and let me stay with the guy that you were just talking about. Oh, I thought you were going to say, say Zach Gentry. I was like, please. That's like, the- no, I, I would go Kevin Rader. <laughs> I, I'm going <laughs> Kevin Rader would be on my radar if uh <laughs> before Zach Gentry. But yeah. I'm actually gonna bring up Eric Ebron. And the reason I'm gonna bring him up is because we everybody in the live chat, you throw out your Ebron socks. Okay, look, he had seven drops last year. Most of them were there, a few of them were at the end of the season. I really think that he is going to tighten it up and he is going to be the superstar that you wanted in year one out of him. I know he had some problems with COVID as well. I think when he and Ben connect, they look pretty good. We have already discounted Eric Ebron and we have said that he's a bust. I don't see it that way. I I thought Eric Ebron, I thought enough of him to let him be one of my 70,000 jerseys. I have an Eric Ebron jersey oh because <laughs> I think he's, I really think he's good. And I really think Muth is going to be huge, but Muth could even help Eric Ebron be that much better. So I'm really expecting him to have a season that you don't expect when I say you, everybody. So let's yeah. throw in Eric Ebron in the mix. And to me, I can't believe you bought a jersey. Ebron just screams of like, I'm only going to be here for a few years and then I'm moving on to the next location. But hey. I, I have some problems sometimes. <laughs> like, like, ooh, this is different. Some of it's like, I just want to get somebody that nobody else has. Yeah. Well, That's mission, mission accomplished. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball here. I have two left. I'm going to go with James Pierre. And this is a little a spoiler on Friday. 
Uh, maybe you're listening on the audio side. It may have already run. We're doing a training camp battle article. Dave and I have been doing a ton of them. I think we've done like eight or nine of them, and we're just kind of picking out, okay, which where are the battles? It could have been like the backup tackle between Dan Moore and Joe Haig. It could have been uh, the cornerback situation. And I, I wanted to revisit the cornerbacks, but really just put Justin Lane versus James Pierre. And Justin Lane is the guy that has the pedigree. He was a draft pick. He ex- has expectations heaped on him. But James Pierre's the one that jumped over him in the depth chart by the end of last season. Doesn't have a huge sample size. Doesn't have the pedigree or the experience. But there's something that is very attractive about the way James Pierre plays the cornerback position. And I think that he is a player that, with when given the opportunity, I think that James Pierre is a player who can come in and actually – really fill a need. And that could be a multiple needs, mind you. I think that James Pierre, to make it simple for everyone so they kind of see what I'm talking about, I think he could fill Cam Sutton's old role. So that is, he could play outside. If they need him to be the dime backer, he can. They need him to play the slot. He can do that too. Cam Sutton was a jack of all trades. And if they're going to keep him on the outside and not move him back inside, which we've talked about, then I think James Pierre is the perfect guy to take that role that he used to fill because he can't, Lane is a guy that I feel like he is predominantly just an outside cornerback. I don't see Justin Lane playing the slot. And I, now that I say that he's probably going to send me an angry message again on Twitter, but nonetheless, I stand by my words and I think that uh, Pierre can fill that, fill that role. So there you go. I cannot argue with that whatsoever. I love everything that uh, Mr. Pierre brings to the table. A lot of people are, are thinking that he is going to be something special. Look, if you want to know what the Steelers think about this guy, notice that he was not on the practice squad at all last season because they Mm. hid him. They hid him on the roster. They started using him towards the end, but they were not going to dangle him because they knew that he would be gone and they would lose him. So they didn't take the risk. That's how special that they think this guy is. So I like it. All right, well, do you have one more? Yeah, I have one more, and I I was going to go with a rookie or I was going to go with a veteran here. Same position. I'm going to go with the rookie, but I still – I'm going to throw in this guy. I don't know if you have him, so I'm not going to say him, but you're going to know who he is when I say the other guy. So let's go with a rookie here, and it's Q from the U, Quincy Roche. <laughs> I love Cassius Marsh. I'm one of the few guys that, that loves Marsh. I really think that he is going to uh, do some things in depth next year. But when I think of the these two guys, I think of the guy that could be a starter in this league. And I still think it's unbelievable that he lasted till the sixth round. And it's Quincy Roche. Look at some of the, the guys that were ahead of him at Miami. You know, I know he was listed as a defensive end, but Gregory Rousseau was was a rusher, a pass rusher. He did some great things for them to get drafted very close to the the top of the draft. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm 0 for 30 tonight, according to somebody in the live chat. And and, uh, when you rip on me, I can't say your name. So so that's my new thing. So I just came up with that 20 seconds ago. Nice. But... So when I'm talking about Quincy Roche, look at Jalen Phillips, who I believe he went to Buffalo. 
No, you went to Miami. Excuse me. You went to Miami. Rousseau went to Buffalo. So those two guys were the big pass rushers for the Miami Hurricanes last year. Then you have a guy that had 26 sacks at Temple. Then he goes to a high-profile program for one more year in the mid, mid of a, middle of a pandemic. I believe he had four and a half sacks last year. But what he did at Temple is good enough for me to see that this guy is a complete steal. And they're not going to expect him to do anything next year because you've got TJ Watt, who's going to need a breather. You have Mr. Highsmith, Alex Highsmith on the other side, who we expect to make that jump from one to two. And he would have been on my list last year because even though he had 14 sacks, nobody believed in this guy because he didn't have a name. He has a name now and you love him, but you cannot live on two edge rushers alone. I think Quincy Roche is in a position where he doesn't have to be that next man up. Cassius Marsh is going to have probably that spot as the number three outside linebacker. And Quincy Roche is going to have an opportunity to move in and make his hay when he gets the opportunities. He doesn't have to do it all in one fell swoop. But if something happens, somebody gets hurt, or he's in a position that he has to start, or he comes in and sub packages, guess what? I think he's going to make you known. He's not going to be shut out in sacks. People are going to know his name. It's Q from the U. And I take that from, I know if Dave Schofield was here, you know what he'd say? I came up with that nickname because he has to call it. He has to call all his, call all his stats and all his nicknames if you bring it up. But there you go. I love you, Dave. Well, I'm going to say this about whether you're talking about Cassius Marsh or you're talking about the cue from the U, Quincy Roche. All you have to do is be better than Anthony Ciccolo. If you can do that, then what that means is that you stand there like you're going to rush the passer. When the ball snapped, you end up playing patty cake with the person in front of you and do nothing. If you can be more than that, more of a threat, look at Alex Highsmith last year before Bud Dupree got hurt. I think that that was a perfect example. You don't need to be... A, a world beater, so to speak, at that position. You just need to be effective. You just need to be a guy that can still get the job done. Can, can I? You made a great point, so I want to jump on that real quick. Sure. Last year, going into the season, who was number three in a lot of people's minds? It wasn't Alex Highsmith. No, I'm it was Ola. Oh, that's right, Ola Denya. You're right. Yeah, I forgot about him. And Alex Highsmith leapt over. Yeah. So. With the Pokemon King here, Quincy Roche could leap over him too. I still think Pokemon's going to do something uh, to justify his spot on the team. Well, I saw his, you know, I wrote an article because Michael Beck shared a podcast that he did with Ross Tucker. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it and I was very impressed with El Pokemon King. And well, Abe, I kind of was like, man, this guy's a card guy, but he also likes sports cards too. So I now, now all of a sudden, he's not talking <laughs> about nerdy stuff. I'm interested now. I have cards. I still have a lot of playing cards. Um, really, I mean, like the Pokemon stuff, it's it's just a different type of card. We're all nerds in our own way for that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, he, he talked about how they have, that's a good side hustle for him. And I was like, shoot, I need to look up some of my old playing cards and see if they're worth anything. I think I have, the 1993, the complete NFL set of Upper Deck. I'm talking still in the original box. Those things are mint condition. 
I think Warren Sapp's rookie year, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to get to my last one here. And I say he's a sleeper, not because no one's talking about him, because everyone, at least my ride or die crew, they love this guy. Because I love this guy. Everyone loves this guy. Big Presley Harvin the third, the punter. That's right. The 260 pounds, squat 600 pounds. Can he finally kick the weasel, Jordan Berry, at a 10 and have him never return? That's the question. Can he do it? I hope so. And if he does, the reason why he's a sleeper is that Steeler fans will finally, hopefully, get to see what an actual punter can do for your team. We have yet to see that. We'll see a huge booming kick from Jordan Berry, 62 yards. Wow, that's awesome. The next one shanks it for 20. What the heck? You know, I mean, and really, when I said... All that the pass rusher has to do is be better than Anthony Ciccolo. All that Presley Harvin would have to be is more consistent than Jordan Berry. I don't need it from a rookie punter, him to boom 65-yard punts on the regular. If he can, that's fantastic. I'm not going to complain. I need him to just be more competitive or more consistent. Down, you know, Getting punts inside the 20, getting good hang time, allowing your return team to get down there and make a play. Um, I think Presley Harvin, they, they spent a draft pick on him. People make a big deal out of that. It was a second, seventh round pick. I'm not going to make a huge deal out of that. He has every opportunity to win this job. And I think, like I said, he's a sleeper for me because if he actually makes the team and gets that weasel boy out of town, then he will absolutely give a fans an idea of what it's like to actually have a legitimate punter. And someone calls him thick kick. I think that's hysterical. Thick kick. <laughs> Nobody likes my name for him, and I think my What's name yours? is Presley. Elvis. Uh, well, think a, of it. His name's Presley. Yeah, no, I get it. He's I just huge. Said, He's well, huge. He's Elvis 70, wasn't though. always huge, though. Yeah, but the Elvis that you think of is not guy. true. Not true. Don't talk about me, but I think about the Elvis. I think about the young, young Elvis. I want Elvis. I want Elvis busting out of the seams, singing my way on a 1977 special. Hold on. Cree's telling me some information. Cree must have his Beckett magazine out. He's he's looking up uh <laughs> he's looking up how much my cards are worth. Cree, 1993 NFL set upper deck, not tops, upper deck. Let me know how much they're worth. There you go. And while you're at it, let me they know. They are for sale. They are for sale. <laughs> I've got a Bradshaw rookie, so is it well now that type of stuff, because I learned I learned about Cassius Marsh from he said, What the heck was that? Is that okay? Not, yeah, just <laughs> I knocked something over on my desk. <laughs> it's a dead body. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but if you like this rookies, go check the trunk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. He was talking about how with these cards, you have to get them like uh, get the Beckett. Now you can get them verified basically to prove that they are, you know, mint condition or they have different levels of condition. Like I have a Mario Lemieux autograph card. That's in one of those old, do you remember the playing card cases that were screwed together? Yeah. Do, yeah, I have one of those. Like it, It's never even left that case. I got it. I put it in a plastic sleeve, then put it in there. That thing is like Fort Knox. I don't know how much it's worth, but I have it. Most of my Anyways. stuff, I don't care what they're worth, actually. Well, I mean, at this point, what I, am I going to do with them? Yeah, I mean, I just like the fact that, I mean, I'm going to hold on Card, to it. Cards are making a comeback. My gosh, a Tom Brady rookie card just sold for a, like a couple million dollars. Uh, Upper Decks 25, Create that. You just disappointed me. Creed just told me my <laughs> cards are over $25. That's still 25 bucks. I'd have to look in there and see if there's any good like rookie, rookie cards or something. That would be more, maybe more than $25 individually. 
Jeff has homework. Okay. Do you have trivia? I actually have a trivia question. You know what? I'm going to defer to you because Ooh, boy. I'm, I'm not coming up with anything that great. I've when the trying. dunce becomes the teacher. All right, here we go. Here's a question. You probably will get this. In 1933, when Arthur Rooney bought the Steelers, do you know how much he bought the team for? For the actual, the actual dollar amount. For some reason, I, I always have $2,500 in my head. $2,500. Is that what your guess? Yeah, it can't be $2,500 or $25,000. let us say $2,500. I, I don't know. So this is 1933 now. So you're saying that $2,500? Yes. That is correct. $2,500 is how much Arthur Rooney bought the Pittsburgh Steelers for in 1933. Follow-up question. How much are the Steelers worth in 2021? Woohoohoo. Um I my gosh, I have no idea. Well, guess. Okay. I'm gonna be way off. Uh 100 mil 100 million. Three billion dollars. Okay, see, I'm way off. <laughs> Think about that. What a I mean now now granted in 33, 2500 That's a that was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. And now three billion, and that is a fifty-eight percent increase, this three billion number. In the last five years, they have uh, increased their overall net worth by 58%. Because I remember it was just a few years ago, they were valued at just over a billion. It was the Dallas Cowboys. I want to say Washington was up there as well in terms of total, how much they're worth. Uh, $3 billion now the Pittsburgh Steelers are worth. That's crazy. Now, I don't know if that'll go down considering the how much the pandemic's going to impact overall revenue. But as of uh, the, the latest Forbes results show $3 billion. How about that? What an investment. What wow. an investment. <laughs> yeah, 25. Yeah. See your 2,500. I'll, I'll raise you $3 billion. Yeah. Hey, That's insane. Okay. Drop, that was my trivia. You know what? I actually have a trivia question for you. And okay. it's a cheesy one, but let's, let's have some fun with it. All right. So I'm going to give you the Pittsburgh Steelers draft picks. Guys that you've never heard of. But maybe you have. So they have famous namesakes. I'm going to give you a famous playwright, a president, and a famous bilingual singer, pop star. That they were all drafted. They weren't their well, names. William, William Shakespeare. Yep. I forgot. That was the first. That was the first pick ever, right? Wasn't that their first yes. draft yep. pick? Yep. A president? A president. President's namesake. 1980. That's not going to help you, but no, no, it's not. I was uh, minus three. Um... <laughs> Richard Nixon. I don't know. Well, who is the president? Woodrow Wilson. They had a Woodrow Wilson. They had a Woodrow Wilson. I don't. He didn't make the team, but they drafted a Woodrow Wilson and a bilingual singer. Yep, 1985. Shakira? No, I'm just yeah, That's not bad. <laughs> you're, you're in the same arena. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who is it? Living La Vida Loca. Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin. They drafted a Ricky Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I only think of female singers when you said bilingual? I don't know. I don't know. All right. This is, yeah, that was fine. That was good. I, was waiting I, for you to say, I was waiting for you to say Julio Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one out of three is not bad. That gets me in the Hall of Fame in baseball. All right. Um, let's do final thoughts. Go ahead, Brian. 
All right. This is a somber final thought. When I think of the news that came out today, and we've known about this news for a while, but when I hear that after all these years in broadcasting and being a part of the Steeler family since 1980, to hear that Tunch Elkin is retiring because of dealing with ALS, I think I just feel really sad. And the reason I feel really sad about it is because Tunch has been a part of our soundtrack for a long time. I could hear Tunch say, pack your bags, call your travel agents. We're going to Denver. <laughs> and then saying, scratch that. Cancel the, cancel the trip. <laughs> yeah. I just, everything about Tunch, just class guy. He could have been a coach in this league. He loved what he was doing as far as broadcasting. He put his heart and his soul and his family. He put everything, his faith, he put it out there. And you wanted to be a part of his family. Every time Tunch spoke, you felt like you were getting the truth because you were. He was the, I'm saying, no, let me stop that. I'm saying was, he is the genuine article. And as a Steeler broadcaster, I'm going to miss the heck out of this guy. I remember a very fun story that my buddy used to tell me because my buddy used to you know, work for uh, ESPN radio at the time. And uh, Tunch would get really annoyed because Bill Hillgrove, and Myron Cope, they'd be half lit by halftime. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then here's Tunch, Tunch like, guys, will you stop that? But Tunch was the is the consummate professional, and I'm going to miss him on the microphone, in the locker room, everything about the man number 62. We love you. Fight. Absolutely. And I, I was going to bring up Tunch as well. I'm glad you did. Tunch and Wolf were legendary. Um, I still remember listening to those radio shows and his spots on uh, radio shows like uh, Stan Savern on sports. And I was a kid listening to Stan, the, the godfather of Pittsburgh radio. Um, and, you know, Jerry Cherry band who does all our music. Uh, he said in the live chat, and I've heard this from other people. I didn't listen to any radio broadcasts this past season. He said that he had to listen to lots of them uh, last year. And he said it was, he was struggling a little bit. And uh, sadly, and I know that uh, like, I know Russ, uh, in the live chat at Obenstein, he he has a personal uh, connection with ALS as I as do I. Uh, it was six years ago that uh, I lost probably one of my best friends to the disease, and I, I kind of went on a Twitter thread today. If you want to check it out, you can give you the synopsis of it. Is that Tunch is doing the right thing, and he needs to try and live his life as best as he can while he can, because you know Brian, you say it, and it's a kind of our our. our uh, our empathy kicking in. It's our human nature to say, you know, fight. We're going to fight. You can't fight this thing. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely something that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those. I, everyone loves those videos, you know, cancer free, ringing the bell, leaving the hospital, we're going to battle this chemo. We're going to beat this cancer. You don't win this battle. And so the best thing that you can do is to just live your life to the best that you can while you can. And my bet, my, my best friend was a Pittsburgh fan. He, well, he liked the Penguins and the Steelers. He was a Yankee fan. And so we, we, I took him in a car. We drove up to Pittsburgh two times in three weeks. We saw them play the Bengals on Sunday night football. He was in a wheelchair at the time. Um, and he, uh, we, we, it was freezing cold. That was the game where Terrence Garvin broke the punter's jaw. Uh, Antonio Brown's punt return for a touchdown. It's a great game. 
it's freezing, but it was great. Uh, then two weeks later, took them up to see a Penguins game at PPG Paints. It was a console energy at the time. They beat the Minnesota Wild 7-4. Uh, to four. Matt Cook's first game back to Pittsburgh after he left. Ole Mata scored on a penalty shot. Go figure. And um, it was just a great time. Uh, kudos, by the way. I said this on my Let's Ride because I talked about it at the end. Um, kudos to the Steelers and the Penguins for being unbelievably accommodating on both of those trips for my friend who, when we bought the tickets was still walking. And when we went, he was in a wheelchair. And so we had to kind of change it up and they were like, no, 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 that's fine. We got to go through the suites <laughs> at Heinz field, like where, you know, the Roonies and stuff sit and the players families and we were walking through those always to get to our seats, just tremendous stuff. But Tunch Ilkin did the right thing by stepping down. There's really no reason he's done enough for him to stick around and continue to do it, especially if it's, it's visibly starting to wear on him. He needs to go live his life. He needs to go travel. If he wants to travel, he needs to just spend time with family because it's going to happen fast. And you hope that it's slow progressing. That's the best thing you can hope for. I know that sounds awful, but anyone that's ever been around someone that has suffered from ALS, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. So I, praying for Tun Jokin, praying for not only him, but his family and his friends and his loved ones. It affects everyone. It affects everyone. So not to be a complete downer <laughs> to finish out the show, but we Tun Jokin is definitely going to be in our thoughts and prayers for sure. Uh, it's, it's tough. Very difficult. Very difficult. So Brian, anything to add before we call the show? No, nope. That's uh, well said, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Uh, Dave's not here, so he's not here to do the hay. I'm not going to do it. That's his thing. In the meantime, we'll be back next week for another episode of the Steelers Preview. Take it easy. Make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. should be a one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, so you don't miss a thing. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you next week. See you.